0: Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Well thanks, Joe. I, um, I don't know that I remember all that, but if you do, we're good, we're good. So I, uh, I sometimes hunt at a place called Lost Hill. Lost Hill. Do you know what happened last time I was hunting on Lost Hill? I got lost. <laughs> Not surprisingly, I think it has its name for a reason. And I was thinking about why why it's so easy to get turned around in that, that place. And the reason is that it's on a plateau. And it's really about the highest point in the area where it is. And so when you're on the plateau, you can't find a fixed point of reference. You can't look off to the distance and find a mountain and, um, you know, let, let that be your mark. Or you can't look down over the side of the hill and get something down below because when you're in the middle, you're in the middle and everything is just that plateau. And I think that there's something about that that really reflects life in general. Uh, in a physical sense, one of the ways that we get our bearings in a place, we find a fixed point of reference— Uh, There might be one or two people in here who know something about surveying, but they use benchmarks, uh, which are little metal discs that they put. They anchor them in rock or in concrete. And that becomes a fixed point of reference that they use in order to draw um, from whenever they're looking for direction. And in a spiritual sense, I think that we have a same concept, that um, we have spiritual benchmarks that God gives us that we can use to find our bearings In times of uncertainty, or times of um, you know where we're we're just not sure where we are, and so the title of my message this morning is "Benchmarks in the Wilderness," and I want to talk a little bit about that uh, from the scriptures. And we're just going to lay out a few benchmarks that God's given us. There's an interesting story in Genesis chapter 28, talking about Jacob, who was one of the patriarchs of the faith, and. Uh, Jacob was going through a, uh, a really tumultuous time in his life. He was fleeing from his brother. He had kind of ripped off his brother, and his brother threatened to kill him. And so he's in the wilderness. And let me read from Genesis 28. I'm just going to read a few verses, starting with verse 15. And God speaks to, to Jacob during this time. He says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised for you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head, and he set it as a pillar and poured oil on its top, and he called the name of that place Bethel. So if you see the picture here, I mean, Jacob had nothing. Nothing, just the clothes on his back. He even used the stone for a pillow. And, and so he took that stone and he set it up as a marker or a memorial to remember what God had done for him. So many, many years later when, when Jacob had better pillows, uh, he was in a situation in life where he was still uh, he was afraid uh, for what was going to happen. And God called him back to Bethel. He called him back to that place and he reminded him of the promise that he had given, you know, probably close to 20 years prior. And so that situation or that place became a benchmark in uh, Jacob's life. It became a point of stability. It became a point of remembrance where he could remember God's faithfulness. One of the huge problems in our culture today is we don't have solid benchmarks. We don't have solid benchmarks. We're left feeling anxious. And I say we as in general, talking about, about America. Uh, we're left anxious and worried and afraid because we don't have fixed points of reference where we can put our confidence. You know, what are, what are some of the benchmarks that we have in our nation? Our government? How's that going today? Our media? Our business leaders? Even our church leaders? Uh, When we look at any one of these areas and we try to get a sense of stability, uh, oftentimes we find ourselves anxious and wanting because they're just not solid fixed points of reference. How about our feelings? I think a lot of people use their feelings as a benchmark. Can anybody see the problem with that? They shift, they change. You know, I, I, can have, I can be in a really good mood in the morning and then miserable in the afternoon and really good in the evening. I mean, it could all change in the course of a day. You know, we're, we're at a time thinking about what happened in Pittsburgh yesterday, thinking about just the, the toxic environment that we see politically in our nation, some of the challenges that we face in our own individual lives and within our churches. We're at a time where there's a lot of uncertainty. And if we don't establish the benchmarks that God has provided within our hearts, we're going to find ourselves anxious and confused and responding in ways that just aren't healthy. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to walk through, uh, I'm just going to mention eight benchmarks. I know seven is the number of perfection in the Bible. Uh, You probably don't know this, but eight is the number of octopuses in the Bible, (laughs) All right, it really isn't. That's just my way of saying I have eight, not seven, okay? And I'm going to go through these pretty quickly because I, I, I really, more than anything else, I want to help a mind, communicate a mindset. Um, I'm not going to promise you that as we go through these that all of a sudden, all of your uncertainty is going to disappear. But I will say this. We can start out at a point where we have this huge sphere of uncertainty, and as we begin to establish the benchmarks in our heart, that sphere begins to shrink. And even if we don't get to the point where we're confident and certain about everything that's going on, we can hit a point where we we have a a sense of peace and a sense of stability in our hearts because we're trusting in the Lord and in His goodness. Does this make sense? And so the more benchmarks we can establish, the more solid we're going to be within our own hearts. And and so I'm just going to look at eight this morning, which really is not the number of octopuses. But... Anyway, uh, the first one is that we recognize the Bible to be the inspired, infallible, and authoritative Word of God. It's from the Scriptures that everything else flows that we know about. Everything I'm going to talk about uh, finds its roots in the Scripture. And so if you are not settled with that, then I would encourage you to settle it, to do some research, to dig in. Uh, I I write books, and so uh, if you want to go today to Amazon Kindle, my book, The Touchpoint, which is about the Bible, uh, and lays some credibility for the Scriptures, you can get that for free uh, today. And also my book, Champions in the Wilderness, I I put those both on Kindle for free today. Or you can just talk to Sean and he'll explain everything to you. Um, But if you haven't settled it, you really need to settle in your heart the confidence That the Bible is the inspired, infallible, and authoritative Word of God because that is the place from which we draw all of our other knowledge. The second benchmark is to know who God is. To know who God is. What do we know about our Creator? We know that He's the Creator of all things, He's all powerful, all knowing, He's holy, He's unchanging, He's entirely loving, He's perfectly faithful. He's totally just. He's totally sovereign. When we stop and we think about who God is, when we meditate on who He is and on His attitude towards us and His perspective, uh, you know, it's not like he's in, he, he goes through moods. You know, you don't approach God in the morning and He says, you know, I haven't had my coffee yet. Leave me alone. I'm having a bad day. Uh, we go to Him and there's a sense of constancy knowing who He is. And so having a knowledge of, of our God is really one of the key benchmarks. It is the key benchmark in life that we establish our understanding of who He is. This is a quick little advertisement. Uh, one of the books that has really helped me in this regard is called The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. And this short little book just talks about who God is. and he looks, It looks at God's different attributes. And it just brings to us an understanding of who we're dealing with. Let me read a a couple of verses here from Hebrews chapter 6. And it, it talks about God being worthy of our trust and how that affects us. Hebrews 6, 13 says, For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, And so having patiently waited, he obtained, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves. And with them, an oath is given as a confirmation to the end of every dispute. And in the same way, God desiring even more to show the heirs of the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose, which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have is an anchor to the soul. A hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters into the veil. This hope we have is an anchor to the soul. What is it based on? It's based on the promises of God and the unchangeableness of His purpose. When we settle those things as benchmarks in our hearts, and those come out of His character, those promises come out of who He is. When we know His his character, and his trustworthiness, then we can trust what he says. And everything he says then becomes a benchmark to bring stability and peace in our lives in times of turmoil. The third benchmark is that we know who we are. We know who we are. And I'm I'm not talking about self-confidence here. What I'm talking about is understanding our lofty status as the children of God. Recognizing that when we become God's children, we become royalty, spiritual royalty. And he gives us a status in this, I can't just say this world, he gives us a status in this universe that is amazing and unparalleled. And so knowing who we are is really one of the keys to the process of navigating the world around us. There's a a story in, um, in the scriptures that has really touched my heart. It's about Israel's exile in Babylon. That They had been the covenant people of God. They totally blew it in life. Uh, they worshiped false gods. And because they wouldn't listen to anything God said, he had no other choice but to take them into exile. And so here are these people in exile uh, wondering what happened to God, having lost everything that was good, what happened to the promises. And the Lord speaks to them. And it's a passage that's familiar to many of us but in, the, in this short passage in Jeremiah 29, we find at least three benchmarks to help us find stability in this world. I'll start with verse 10, Jeremiah 29:10 It says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. How does this apply to us? They were the covenant children of God. They were the covenant children of God. They were the ones that had the lofty status of being the people of God. And under the new covenant, we become the covenant children of God. And so a very similar concept applies to us as applied to them. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, even in the midst of their failure. Not just failure. In the midst of their obstinate sin, they were still the covenant children of God. And the Lord dealt with them harshly in many ways, but he also dealt with them mercifully, saying that I have not abandoned you, even because of your own screw-ups. Doesn't that give us confidence? Anybody besides me ever done things in your life that you're just like, man, I, I should be toast. I should be done at this point. And yet, God continues to be merciful to us because we are his children. Number four, know that the Lord hears our prayers and will answer according to his wisdom. The Lord hears our prayers and will answer According to his wisdom, and this was from Jeremiah 29:12. You will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Another passage from First John chapter five uh, really challenges me and encourages me. First John 5:14 says, "This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him." I may not understand my circumstances. I may not understand everything that's happening around me. But I know that if I cry out to the Lord, if I pray, He will answer. He will hear and He will answer. He may not answer the way I expect Him to. He may not answer in the timing that I expect Him to. But He hears and He will answer. Anybody else besides me take comfort in that, it's a, it's a benchmark for us. If I'm out in the wilderness, if I'm on Lost Hill and I'm lost, say, Lord, show me, guide me, teach me. Number five, know that if we seek God, we will find Him. He says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your hearts. If we seek God, we will find God. He will reveal himself to us. That is his promise. If we are honest and we are sincere, he will reveal himself to us. If we seek wisdom for the situations in our lives, he will give us wisdom. He will give us guidance. You know, the Lord doesn't give us formulas for life. He doesn't give us lists of rules to follow. Because if we had those things, we would just focus on them and we would forget about the relationship. We would be inclined to ignore him and just do these tasks that we feel like we need to do. But instead, He calls us to seek Him, that we would know Him. He calls us to look to Him for wisdom and for guidance in the situation in our lives. And we have the confidence that if we do that, He will answer. And what we need to understand is that God's plans and purposes tie into us seeking Him. This whole passage is together in context. And so we, we don't rest on our laurels saying, well, you know, God has good plans for my life. I'm just going to go live however we want. No, we recognize that, that He has good plans for our lives. And if we seek Him, we will find Him. If we seek Him, He will reveal His path to us. Our sixth benchmark is knowing that violent storms will come our way as long as we're in this world. Now, that may not sound like a benchmark. That may not sound like a point of confidence for us. But the reality is that it is. Uh, Prophetically, we had mentioned the story of Paul being stoned in Acts chapter 14. And that's actually in my notes. I was using that as an example this morning. Paul's out doing something evil. He's preaching the good news to people. And how does he get treated for that? get stoned. And what's his response? His response is to get up, brush himself off, and to say through many trials and tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. What's the point? The point is that it's a part of life, folks. I don't know how it happened, but somewhere along the line some of us bought into this lie that said that if if we are Christians, if we are the people of God, that life is going to be smooth sailing. That every situation, all the details are just going to fall in place, and they're all going to work out, and they're, it's not going to be messy. It's just, just going to go like, oh, we're so blessed. But that's, that's really not scriptural. You know, in the scriptures, we find this, this encouragement that through many challenges and tribulations, you'll enter the, the kingdom of God. Jesus said that if, if you seek to live godly in this world, you'll be persecuted. I mean, that's just the reality of it, that stuff is going to happen. And so if, if you are, you know, as an individual or a church, if you're going through challenging, difficult times, welcome to the family of God. Uh, this is our reality in this world. We live in a fallen world, and these kinds of things are going to happen. And, and so, you know, is some of it self-induced? Yes, yeah, sometimes it is, but some of it isn't. Some of it's just the fact that we live in a fallen world. And, and so we can take confidence that when we go through difficult times, it's not necessarily a me, a message that, that God has abandoned us. It's a reminder to seek Him in the midst of the difficulty. Number seven, know that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. I'll read another uh, passage that's familiar to a good many people. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness, and the heavenly places. Why is this important? Well, one of the enemy's tactics is to convince us that other people are our enemy he somehow manages to convince us that our enemy is not spiritual our enemy is in flesh and blood it's the people around us and not just people Uh, oftentimes it's the people of god i mean stop and think about this for a minute what can we say about other christians there are covenant brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we are part of the family of God, all of us. And yet somehow, the enemy convinces us that these people are not to be trusted, that these people are to kept, be kept at arm's length. These people are the ones that we should be afraid of. These people are the ones that we need to battle against. That's not the case at all. So we need to understand that our battle Is not against people, our battle is against the spiritual forces of wickedness. And many times the mindsets that those spiritual forces bring upon us. So as Christians, we might expect experience times of neglect, we might experience offenses and hurts. I mean, those things are are really part of relationships. But at the end of the day, we're all still part of the family of God. We're all still in covenant with one another. And if we are to navigate difficult times, we need to recognize that we navigate them together in love and in humility. And then finally, we know that if we handle our difficulties with maturity, the Lord will use them as a springboard to grow amazing fruit. If we handle our difficulties with maturity, the Lord will use them as a springboard to grow amazing fruit. If you haven't figured it out yet if you're a christian you're a god's plant you're god's plant and his desire is to use you to grow sweet and abundant fruit in this world that is always what he is working towards and part of that process involves adversity you know we we, we kind of wish that every day was sunshine but the truth is that there will be storms and there will be cold and there will be rain and, and, and frigid temperatures. And those things help to harden the plant, to make it stronger, to make it more, more uh, vigorous. And, and to ultimately, to bear the fruit that God is looking for us to bear. Peter made a statement in 1 Peter, 6, 1 Peter 1, verse 6. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's he talking He's talking about growth. It's about growth. That, that as we go through adverse times, if we process them in a way that honors God, growth will, be, will result. And that growth will be a fruit that benefits ourselves, that benefits, brings favor, or brings pleasure to our God, and will benefit other people in our lives and and in the community around us. So the key is to learn how to handle adversity with maturity. How do we do that? Let me just mention five things very quickly. One is what we're doing today. We cultivate faith by establishing benchmarks of truth. Number two, we walk in love, no matter how we're treated yep number one is that we cultivate faith by establishing benchmarks of truth number two we or we walk in love no matter how we're treated number three we choose the high road of humility when nobody else does number four we seek god's wisdom when everybody else acts according to their own understanding and number five, we persevere by refusing to lose heart. We refuse to lose heart. You know, I've faced a lot of difficulties in my life. Am I missing something? No, I think we're all thinking like I don't want you to be in a hurry. Like if you want to go a little slower through some of these things, they're great. Well, it could be a message in itself, and I uh <laughs> it's <not a> conversation. <laughs> yeah. Let me talk about a personal experience a little bit. I've been through a lot of difficulty in my life. And much of it has been self-inflicted, to be honest with you. And a lot of it hasn't been. A lot of it has just been situations, or a lot of it has been because I've been seeking to serve God. I, I was thinking about this not long ago, and I've been involved in four different ministry situations where they were significant ministries that went through significant seasons, not just days or weeks, but seasons of trial, where it seemed like everything was falling apart, where it felt like God was absent, where it felt like everything was spinning out of control. And each situation was unique. One of them was my involvement with basic college ministries and where I met Joe and and the Failers and Mary and some others. Um, our first 21 months involved in that ministry saw almost zero fruit. 21 months where we had trouble getting past three or four people at a meeting, or a half dozen at the most. When we did finally have a young lady give her life to the Lord, what, she did, what did she do? She transferred. I'm thinking, all right, we got somebody to start with. We can begin to work. And she transfers. i was like, God, what's wrong with this picture? 21 months with, with no visible fruit. Had another situation with a, um, a, a larger ministry, and I worked closely with a man whose lifestyle was a total lie. It was a total lie. And when it came back, when it came out, I was devastated. Not only was I devastated, I was in a position where I had to take up leadership of that organization and, and help it navigate uh, through several years of of turmoil for it to stay alive and and so it was a really difficult time another situation that i was involved with was the summit church which is now the summit church I, in my younger days i was very much a, a part of the leadership team and there were days where i would leave church and i would go home and i would throw myself on the bed and i would cry out to god in despair because I was so frustrated and overwhelmed by what was happening. If you're not familiar with the the summit, we're running three services now and having a huge impact in the community. But that was a time for me that was really overwhelming. And when I look back at these situations, part of it was I was fulfilling a stewardship that God had given to me, that he had put a responsibility in my lap And I wanted to be faithful to do what He called me to do. But part of it was that I saw something. That I saw something. That God had given me a glimpse of something that He wanted to do through those ministries. He's given me a glimpse of the fruit that He wanted to bring about as a result of those ministries. And as we navigated those situations by God's grace and we tried to navigate them with maturity... On the other side, we have seen Him bring tremendous fruit of lives being transformed, of people being saved and delivered from the kingdom of darkness, of, of, of families being influenced. I'm going to talk prophetically for a minute here. About, uh, I don't know how long ago, maybe seven or eight, nine months ago, the Lord gave me what I would call a prophetic phrase. Anybody ever watch Wheel of Fortune? You know how they have their phrases like uh, food and drink or places or something like that? Imagine a Wheel of Fortune Fortune prophetic phrase, all right? Uh, He gave me a prophetic phrase, and it was to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. And as I was praying about this morning, Uh, and, and, and talking, he brought it back to me, to the ends of the earth. And I think that what the Lord was communicating is a message, not just for me and not just for you, but for our community of Indiana, Pennsylvania, that what he wants to do here, what he will do here in this place, is going to go to the ends of the earth. I'm not saying that Indiana, Pennsylvania is the revival center of the universe or anything like that, But what I'm saying is that God wants to do a work in our community. He will do a work in our community that's going to go to the ends of the earth and its influence. And as a part of Saving Grace Church, you all are a vital part of this community, of the Christian church in this community, and of what God wants to do in and through this community. And I think that for what you're going through, and for many of us, what we go through is our, in our own individual lives, in our ministries or organizations, it's all preparation for the fruitfulness that God wants to bring about. We're all part of the family of God. We're all the spiritual descendants of Abraham to whom God said that in you, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. That is His desire. And so I think it's important in these times where we're just uncertain and unsure to step back, take a look at the big picture, to get our bearings, to remember the benchmarks that God's given us, and to say, Lord, we're going to navigate this season by Your grace with maturity. We're going to cultivate faith by establishing benchmarks of truth. We're going to walk in love no matter how we're treated. We're going to choose the high road of humility when nobody else does. We're going to seek God's wisdom when others live by their own understanding. And we're going to persevere by refusing to lose heart. And I can promise you that if we will do that as the body of Christ, we will see the Lord do amazing things within this individual congregation, within this community, and within our world as a result. Folks, I see something. And I hope that you do too. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you so much, God, for your goodness. Lord, we, we recognize this morning that we all play a part, but really it's all about you. It's all about your plans. It's all about your purposes. Lord, we thank you so much that you've given us these benchmarks of truth, Lord, that we can hold on to. And knowing who you are, Lord God, and knowing that you hear our prayers and knowing that you'll move powerfully in our midst. And so, Father, we we just come to you, Lord God, and we bring ourselves, we bring our own hearts to you. Lord, if there have been ways that we have dishonored you or we have dishonored others through the difficulties that we face, we come to your throne. We ask for forgiveness. We draw, Lord God, upon the grace of God, Lord, knowing that you will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we pray, Lord God, for your grace, Father, that we might be able to weather the challenges in our lives, Lord God, with faith and with love and with humility and with wisdom, and with perseverance. Lord, knowing that it's not just simply about us, but knowing that You desire to use us as a church and as a community, Lord God, to bring blessing and life to the entire world. Lord, stir our hearts in faith and encouragement and love Lord, and take what You're doing in this place to the very ends of the earth. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.